Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Joined by Congressman Mike Gallagher, member of the House Armed Services Committee and the House Intelligence Committee. Good morning, Congressman. Welcome back. Good to be back, Hugh. Uh, The president put in a defense budget yesterday. Normally we banter around, but I want to dig into this. And the Wall Street Journal slams it today as wholly inadequate. Senator Ernst of uh, uh, of the Senate Armed Services slammed it at the beginning of the hour. What is your assessment of the president's budget yesterday? I think the budget signals that President Biden and his defense team are choosing decline in this decade. They have no sense of the urgency of the threat we face, particularly the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party, a threat which will grow more acute at the midpoint of this decade. The budget is built on magical assumptions about inflation, which are just at odds with reality. And the fact that they're selling it as a defense increase, even though all of the increase will be eaten by inflation, and it does not keep pace with inflation, is profoundly intellectually dishonest, which leads me to my second point. They're wrapping this defense cut, and that's what it is, in this pseudo-intellectual jargon that they're calling integrated deterrence. And this is what I tried to write about in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today. Integrated deterrence is a fancy way of saying we can afford to cut hard power and somehow magical new technology that won't come online until a decade from now, or allies or soft power can pick up the slack. Integrated deterrence is precisely the type of deterrence that failed to deter Putin in Ukraine. And now the Biden Pentagon is trying to pretend like it was a success. It is a disgrace. I agree completely with what my colleague Elaine Luria said about the Navy components of the budget in particular. And if she's we don't a Democrat and change she's a Democrat. Course, Democrat from Virginia had what I thought was a, a very brave uh, and on the money uh, string of tweets about this and pointed to the simple fact, you know, Hugh, I was a liberal arts major, so check my math on this. But the Navy is proposing to pay for nine ships, but then decommission 24 ships. So what does that mean? A net loss of 15 ships? It is time for the Secretary of the Navy to take a stand against this nonsense. It makes absolutely no sense. And the Biden Pentagon needs to go back to the drawing board, revisit their assumptions. And it's clear to me they have learned no lessons from the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. Now, Senator, when President Trump attempted to retire an aircraft carrier, the Congress said no, and they restored the cut. Will the Congress say no to the 24 ship? I mean, you can do that. You can say you will keep these ships running. We need the tubes, the VLS tubes. I'm not sure what they stand for, but they're missile tubes. And we're taking a whole bunch of them out of service when we need them increasingly in the South China Sea and around the world. Will Congress throw a roadblock in the way of the decommissioning of those ships? I believe we will. And as evidence, I would say last year in the NDAA process, we did precisely that. We took a look at a, a, an inadequate Biden budget that was a cut in real terms. And we, in a bipartisan fashion, decided to increase the top line. And the threats have only grown more urgent since. Obviously, there will be debates over 
different priorities, Army, Navy, Air Force, Space Force, Marine Corps. There's a debate about the Marine Corps right now. But I believe, on balance, Congress, in a bipartisan fashion, will say to the Biden administration, this makes no sense, and we will take corrective action. That being said, Hugh, the more we're at war with ourselves and the more we have to argue over all, all this stuff is the more we lose time. And we still don't have a coherent plan on the sea power side for growing the size of the Navy and eventually getting to 355 ships. We don't have a 30-year shipbuilding plan. When we get it next month, it will provide a range of options that will be useless. That's what really concerns me, because you're right. I think the math on the net 15 loss of ships is about 1,000 VLS tubes, which is an acronym for vertical launch systems, that we're losing. And at a time when you know the, the PLA has built a rocket force that is designed to sink our ships we need more DLA, uh, VLS tubes that are in the Western Pacific. We need more teams of Marines that are in range of Taiwan. And if you think that somehow she is deterred because Putin's experiencing some friction in Ukraine, you are not paying attention to the lifelong ambition of the general secretary of the Chinese Communist Party. I believe we will see a crisis over Taiwan. And the more we disinvest in our own defense, and pretend we're doing something smart and invent new phrases like integrated deterrence to cover up a cut to conventional defense, the more we make that invasion likely. So I believe the Congress must step up to the plate and force the Biden administration to do better. Integrated deterrence has twice as many syllables as appeasement, but half as much sense. Because at least when Hitler was rebuilding, there was no evidence in 33, 34, 35 of his malign intent beyond the German-speaking uh, uh, peoples of Austria and, and Czechoslovakia. Now we know what Putin has told us what Putin wants. Xi has told us what Xi wants. And I played Churchill's Fulton, Missouri speech, 15 minutes of it in the first hour, to underscore that he said, I told everybody and nobody would listen. I am curious, does anybody listen in the Pentagon? Is anyone talking to you or are they under the thumb of the president? I, th I think you're seeing the influence of uh, not only the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, uh, for whom every dollar spent on defense is a dollar robbed from their transformative domestic project, but also I think uh, there's a certain um, group at the top of the Pentagon right now which almost has a they almost like to fetishize uh, technology, right? This is so-called third offset thinking where all we need, and if you look at the budget, it shows this, right? Because where most of the increases are happening are in the R&D budget. I'm all for R&D, obviously technology is important, but if you believe that the crisis over Taiwan is most acute at the midpoint of this decade, i.e. 2024, 2025, as multiple Indo-PACOM commanders have told us, then that divest-to-invest strategy makes absolutely no sense. Wait, wait, you're just, you're, I'm drowning in cliches. Divest-to-invest, oh, third offset. What are we talking exactly. about with third offset? That's like, uh, is that the Packers' decision to go for it on fourth again? What is that? That's right. That's right. Uh, it would be equally as disastrous. Um, what is, what is third, third offset? offset? Okay, so we've had various offsets in defense history. The first was the advent of nuclear weapons, which gave us this massive advantage. The second was the development of precision-guided munitions uh, in the late 60s, mid-70s, which gave us an advantage. Now we are looking for a third offset where technology will magically save us from the conventional disparities we have relative to China 
and Russia. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I have not seen it. We are sort of waiting like Godot for some magical technology to come. The Pentagon, multiple services have talked about JADC2, Joint All Domain Command and Control, being sort of their top priority. I, I think it's built on a lot of assumptions about technology which don't make sense. What we've seen in Ukraine is the opposite. It's the importance of fielding technology that works today. Javelins, stingers, loitering munitions, things that are cheap, uh, that uh, you can easily replicate. We need to be stockpiling the munitions that we have today, not betting on magical technology that Sen we don't Senator know. Senator Cotton well. tells me we need more army infantry after watching Ukraine. And I, I mean, he might be right. Would you please update me on what is going on in the Marine Corps? I have read a little bit about this, but I am an armchair civilian. And I, I have no opinions on what the commandant is doing or what the criticism is, but what do you, as a member of the Armed Services Committee and as a Marine, think about what is going on inside of the Marines? Well, Commandant Berger has tried to grapple with what the 2018 National Defense Strategy directed him and the other services to do, which is to prioritize China and implement a strategy of deterrence by denial, which makes sense as opposed to a integrated deterrence strategy. I still don't know what that means. Um, Neither do I. Okay. What, what, the, what this group of retired Marine Corps general officers is concerned about is that in pursuit of that, they're cutting certain weapon systems in the Marine Corps, specifically tanks, artillery, certain aircraft, and that will have a negative impact on the lethality of the force. Now, I think Berger de deserves credit for experimenting. I think reasonable Marines can disagree about how you organize a Marine Corps infantry battalion, but I do think it makes sense to field these nemesis systems, which are you know long-range fires, small teams of Marines. I do think what we're seeing in Ukraine right now is the democratization of air power. So it makes sense to invest in so-called LMAMs, which are you know small, remotely piloted uh, drone that can deliver really devastating effects. And I do think over the long term, we have to grapple with the fact the fact that the maintenance costs of the F-35 and the CH-53 system are very uh, exorbitant. Now, I hope this debate actually tests a lot of Berger's assumptions. You know, if we have unlimited resources, sure, you know, let's have more artillery, let's have more tanks. And at the end of the day, we don't want to do anything to compromise what I believe is the heart of the Marine Corps, and that is the, the toughness and the lethality of that Marine, infantry, squad, platoon, and company and their ability to locate, close with, and destroy the enemy. And I think both Berger and this group of general officers agree that that warrior ethos is at the heart of everything, and no technology can substitute for that. So can, we're going to have a big one, debate. One quick question. I, I've, I've watched the Ukrainian fighter jet pilots destroy lots and lots of Russian assets, and the fighter pilot community has told me, have you seen what the Ukrainians are doing? They're better trained than the Russians. They're killing Russians, and they are deterring the advance. Doesn't that mean we need more F-35s? I mean, they're doing the job. The top guns of Ukraine are doing the job. Well, it is our fifth-gen fighter. We don't have uh, an alternative. The issue is the range, so and the range of the carrier air wing. But that's a solvable problem with things like MQ-25. And so my only point is that, you know, we, we can figure this out if we have— patriotic, smart people locked in a room with certain members of Congress armed with a map of the Indo-Pacific saying, what do we actually need to do to deter the PLA? This is a solvable problem, as 
the bravery of the Ukrainians proves us. Again, these are different theaters. I'm not trying to say it's an apples to apples comparison, but we can figure this out. Instead, we keep going back and forth between wildly inconsistent plans. And now we have the creep of progressive priorities into the Pentagon's decision-making, and that is ultimately destructive. So we have to figure it out before it's too late. And the midpoint of this decade may be when it's too late. We're in the window of maximum danger, and we need to wake up. And if anybody says integrated deterrence to you, laugh at them. It's not denial. It's not peace through strength, as Churchill said. You just have to have the weapons. Mike Gallagher, good to talk to you, Congressman. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.